Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is tips for launching an e-commerce business in 2022. Today's guest has been in e-commerce, it looks like, almost as long as I have. Since 2003, she's worked client-side, agency-side, and advisor-side, working with a wide variety of retailers from high street omni-channel operations to fresh online-only startups, covering international launches, subscription, B2B, and even dabbling in marketplaces. Today, her specialty is solving e-commerce marketing problems and how to increase new customer acquisition to improve performance of email marketing newsletters to find the right new website provider. In addition, she is the founder of e-commerce master plan, as well as best-selling author, internationally keynote speaker, and host of the award-winning e-commerce master plan podcast and the exciting new keep optimizing podcast. A big hello to Chloe Thomas. Hi, Chloe. Hello, Andy. Um, lovely to be here chatting with you. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, you bet. We're excited to have you. So let's get started with this. Do you believe that today is a good time, bad time, or okay time to launch an e-commerce business? That is an awesome question to start off with, because I think that, you know, the the good time for me to start an e-commerce business is when you are ready, because the, you know, the market's constantly evolving. There's a mm -hmm. lot of talk at the moment about increased competition levels. And yes, there's a lot more competition out there. It would have been easier four years ago, but then wasn't everything easier four years ago. Um, so I think, I think it's a perfectly okay time. It's definitely not a bad time. It's definitely not the most amazing time we've ever seen to get into e-commerce, but it's certainly not a bad time. I, I wouldn't be held back from doing it if I had an idea to launch right now. So for you, if you were going to start an e-commerce business today, which platform do you think you would use and, and what would you sell? Oh, there's, there's two other big questions. So first of all, I guess on the platform front, what I think has been the game changer in e-commerce and has led to so many of the changes we see is the way Shopify has changed our industry because it's made it so much easier to start an e-commerce store. Um, and if you've been you know, around since the early 2000s, same as me, you will remember the days of painful briefs, you know, just to create an idea for a store and huge costs and all the rest of it. So if I was starting off today, I might not use, use um, Shopify, but I would definitely be using a platform which took care of a load of the stuff for me and made it really easy for me to get up and start exploring the key questions you've got to explore with a new business, which is, 
do does anyone actually want to buy my product mm-hmm. and if anyone wants to buy my product will they buy it at a price and a cost i.e the money they spend and the money you spend on marketing that works for me so that might be you know a really simple woocommerce install there's now you know stuff like the hosting guys at cloudways have put together a package which makes it really easy to launch woocommerce so it's almost like the shopify of woocommerce um or you've got shopify and you've got other platforms which are now looking after the nitty gritty of the hosting, the nitty gritty of the payments, all that stuff that used to take us ages to enable you just to focus on what's happening. So not any specific platform, but I definitely go for one of the easy ones um, rather than one of the complicated ones. So I think you you really touched on the, the key if you're starting a new business is, are you going to sell something where there is a demand for that product? And can you do it at a level of profitability that's going to make sense. How would you figure that out? I'd actually start offline. The first thing I'd do is I'd take whatever my product idea was, whether it was a, you know, whether whether I had a load of them to actually sell or whether I had, um, you know, some samples to try out. I'd take it to a real world physical marketplace where I thought I would get in front of who I believe my target audience are. So that could be a trade show. um, It could be an event. It could be a pop-up in a local store. You know, if you're making soaps and you can manage to get a pop-up event in a local um, hairdresser's, potentially, you'll get some good feedback and take along that product, speak to your target market and say, what do you think of this? What do you like about it? How much would you pay for it? Would you give it as a gift? And all those key questions and get that early customer feedback. You can do that online as well, but it's an awful lot easier to take a box and rock up to a market and ask people some questions than it is to build a website and get them to the website and all the rest of it. So I'd start offline um, and then online, I would be keeping a really good, good idea, good eye on the analytics i'd also be deploying some you know some tactical pop-ups to ask questions about what people think of the product you know that's that's some great advice and and i've heard that before from from a number of places to take your physical product places my question is a follow-up from there how i mean obviously you know if you're sold out in five minutes you know (laughs) you know it's successful and you probably but, need to raise the price as well. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you know that it's a failure or you just need to change things? Yeah, you have to, when you're doing this, you know, whether you're doing it online or offline, you have to remember that consumers, all of us, um, we all have different intentions to what we actually do. So this is a is a really good test if you're actually taking cold, hard cash for the product you're, you're trying to sell. If you're doing it purely as a what would you think, what would you pay, just take it with a pinch of salt that people are, they're going to probably be more positive than you think, <laughs> than, than they really mean to be, because that we tend to say we'll do better than we actually will, which is why we always have to believe where the money actually flows rather than where the, the uh, people say they're going to spend money. But I suppose you know, it's, it's listening to what you're, you're hearing from people. If no one wants to buy it, you've, you're either in the wrong place or you've got a bad product or something about it's wrong. So if you're, you know, if you're there for the whole day and no one's buying by lunchtime, by the afternoon, you can be test, either testing out lowering the price or tweaking it, or you can be saying, why, why would you not buy this? You know, 
if, mm-hmm. if it's not working by lunchtime, change your strategy and see what you can learn from the people who are there. And get some um, feedback. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, you know, being sold out in the first hour is great. But you don't learn anywhere near as much as you do if you sell out by five o'clock and you've had some really good conversations along the way with people who decided not to buy or with the people who are buying and why they want to buy, which if you're selling out really fast, you don't generally have the time to do. So let's say for argument's sake that you have a product you've decided is viable. There's, there's an audience for it. You've figured out a price point that makes sense. You're going to, you're going to make money selling it. You set up your own website, say you choose Shopify. Would you also sell your products on Amazon? Probably not on day one. That's partly because um, I'm a big believer in building your own brand and being in control of your own destiny, which you're much less so on the marketplaces. It's also partly based on the fact that to learn how to sell well on Amazon is a whole other ball game to learning how to sell well via your own website. And if you want to, you know, to succeed at one of those two things quickly, then you need to decide on one to focus on. And I find, I find myself, if I, if I split myself across different platforms, my rate of improvement, my rate of success slows down. And I find the same thing with retailers. So I would pick one and focus on it and learn the lessons and then expand into the other one. Um, so I wouldn't go straight to a marketplace on day one. Amazon has really changed the e-commerce landscape mm. as far as shipping. You know, you have to offer free shipping on Amazon or it comes with Amazon orders. How does that, do the people you advise, do the websites, do they all offer free shipping or do some charge shipping and, and are okay with it? Well, it all depends on what your strategy is, really. I think any e-commerce business would be crazy not to have a free shop, free shipping, free shopping. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, any e-commerce business would be crazy not to have a free shipping option. But whether so like that's a thre- free- threshold. Yeah, it might be on a threshold. It might be the slowest shipping option that you've got. Um, it might be... Um, you know, on a number of items, depending on, you know, how your business is, or it might be something that you, you know, you, you know, maybe your average order value is 50 and you have a a threshold of 50 for your free shipping. So you're trying to encourage people up to that average order value and potentially beyond. And then every so often you do a free shipping weekend where you give any order free shipping to incentivize some new purchases. Because there is a, there's a lot of power in free shipping as a promotional message, not just as the hygiene that everyone expects free shipping at some point. So I would um, I would definitely have a free shipping. I would also make sure that you've understood the cost of that when you're pricing up your products. And build that into the price. Yeah. I mean, in, in most cases, but you're almost certainly, at, for most new businesses, not going to be building in the price of a next day delivery. You're going to be building in the price of the cheapest option. Of the ground so, shipping. Yeah. Right. So you've decided in our, back to our hypothetical scenario, you've decided not to sell on Amazon. You've created your Shopify store. What would be the first marketing method? Some of them first marketing methods that you would put in place? I would start off with the ads. Um, it's, it's always kind of like the chicken and the egg scenario because you've got to get some traffic coming through 
to start learning you know because we I said earlier you know about the fact it's it's also about finding can you get in front of enough people who want to buy your product at a price that works for you to make the business scalable you know and I've I've, I've interviewed multiple people who've or actually you know one in particular person who who'd found a business and they could get people at a reasonable price but there weren't enough of them but you're only going to find that out if you actually get on with the ads because getting sufficient traffic to learn that organically is really tough these days so you've got to put some money behind the ads if you want to learn fast and trust me you want to learn fast otherwise you're missing out on opportunities so I would start off by deploying some ads probably still Facebook ads and Instagram ads um but if you're particularly analytical and you've got a product that fits well with keywords, I'd also try Google ads pretty much from day one. The chicken and egg part comes in because, of course, you also to make the most of your ad spend, you also need your other marketing in place because your ads will perform better if you've got your organic SEO structure in place on your website. People are more likely to convert if you've got a decent about us page, if you've got page, you know, great product copy, if you've got uh, blog posts that explain why people want your product, the story behind the product, how to use the product and all those kind of FAQ things. So you're kind of, you've kind of got to do it all. Um, and then of course, your ads will also perform better overall or your marketing budget will perform better overall if you're if you're collecting email addresses and you've got a good welcome campaign. So you kind of have to approach great content on the website, email capture and follow-ups and advertising hand in hand. But the one I find most people try to skip is the ads piece. So that's mm -hmm. kind of why I put it out there first and front is you've got to spend some money to get people to your site so you can learn from them, implement the results of those learnings and then grow your business faster than a snail's pace. You know, just curious, and, and I'm biased because my books are all on, on Google ads. Um, <laughs> why did you default to say running Facebook ads before Google ads? Well, I am a Google ads lover. I ran a Google ads agency for 10 years, so it has a very dear place to my heart. And I would far rather be managing keywords than trying to come up with creative. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but I find Google ads are so sophisticated these days that for the novice to try and get them to perform is tough. Um, and if you've got a secret you know, way for people to manage to, to do them well without learning an awful lot first, I'd love to hear about it. But, um, but I've not found one. I find beginners and um, not for a want of a bit, I guess startups, those who are new to the industry find it a lot easier, a lot more intuitive. And that the Facebook platform is also not so set up to trip you up. Mm -hmm. um, I find, you know, in Google, there's every setting seems to be set in Google's favor, whereas Facebook ads seem to be trying to help you along the pathway. So that's why I say Facebook ads first. Um, but if you've got the skill, skill to do Google ads, then I would definitely do that because a, a huge volume of e-commerce businesses are ignoring that platform wrongly at the moment. So let me ask, what do you believe are some of the keys to growing your e-commerce business? I, I think that, you know, the, the fundamental one is working out how to get, working out who your target customer are and then finding cost-effective ways to get in front of them. That has been the, the challenge throughout my nearly 20 years in this industry 
what I think that drills down to as we go into 2022, with all the changes we've seen over the last couple of years in how consumers are buying, what consumers care about, the tech, how the technology landscape has changed, and the huge increasing competition we've seen as every business in the world seems to have now started selling direct to consumers, is that you know you really need to get to grips with what ad mix works for you. A lot of businesses are shifting off being a pure Facebook ad focus to start using Google ads properly. I've heard of some using Reddit ads at the moment and Shopify ads. So you've got to work, work out and master your ad mix, what platforms, what messages, what target markets. You've also got to have a strong CRM communication system, uh, which increasingly is including SMS. Uh, with a mix of both soft and hard messages. So soft messages being your story, um, the, you know, the, the ins and outs of your business, why you exist, what you stand for, your values, um, as well as the hard messages of free shipping weekend, 10% off, um, you know, buy now, all those sorts of, sorts of good messages too. So you've got to mix those up and get those automations helping you both convert from, from email inquirer through to first-time buyer, from first-time buyer through to repeat buyer, because if you've got a good post-purchase communication sequence going on with a good arrival of product, you're far more likely to get that second purchase, which is all important as these competition levels go up and as, you know, the cookie issues cause advertising to become more, more difficult as well. Um, and so taking all that into account, I think what we're going to see a lot of people be successful in 2022 with is kind of almost combining all of that and working on partnership marketing, whether that's building partnerships with your existing customers to get the customer attention, you know, to get more sales and to get customer retention sales, whether that's building partnerships with other e-commerce brands targeting similar audiences in order to swap marketing space um, and drive each other's customers to each other, which can be hugely um, cost-effective, or whether that's partnering with influencers um, and press to get more visibility of your products, um, and I'll give you an awful lot in that question. <laughs> you know, I was that, I was just work? gonna I was just gonna say that is a ton of stuff, but if I'm a, a new e-commerce business, where would I start? Where would I where would I learn some of this stuff? Where where can I get some quick wins? I think you've got to get as we said earlier, you've got to get something working in the ad space. So you've got that traffic coming through. I then work on my um, email signups and the welcome campaign that follows that. So messages explaining. If you imagine someone's come up to that marketplace store we were talking about earlier and, you know, you've ex you're trying to explain to them about the product and why you started it and all the rest of it, that's exactly what you need to put in your welcome campaign because you're preparing them to become a brilliant buyer. So a series of maybe one, two, three emails that go out after someone signed up, ready to turn them into a customer. So we would go paid traffic and then work on putting your email program in place. Yeah. And then... Do you have a preferred email program to use? Um, I like... Um, I personally, in my business, use Omnisend. Um, and I'm also hear a lot of good things about Clavio. 
So I'd look at one of those two, which are built specifically for e-commerce. So they in, they both integrate really deeply. Into now, when do you need side. something so robust if you're starting, or, or do you think like a MailChimp would work? I mean, you could certainly get away with a MailChimp, but the way both of them are price structured, there are freemium options, you know, that starts off very, very cheap and the price really only goes up as your business grows. So to save the hassle of having to rebuild, I'd start on one of them from day one. So in your bio, it says that your experience with solving e-commerce problems, such as increasing new customer acquisition to improving the performance of email marketing newsletters to finding the right new website provider. Do you consider these the three main problems that e-commerce companies have? Is that why we listed those in your bio? Um, we listed those in the bio to try and show my range of experience. But I suppose the main problems, so they were more about me than about the audience, to be fair. Um, in terms of the audience, what do I find people mainly have the problem of? I guess it would be the questions I get asked most frequently are, and this is from, from startups through to, you know, multi-million pound turnover businesses is, Chloe, is there something I'm not doing that I should be doing? And Chloe, is what I'm doing what I should be doing? So it's this kind of this marketing FOMO um, and fear that there's some magic bullet that everyone else has got and you haven't. That seems to be, be the, the, the questions I get asked the most. Um, so those are the those are the answers I try and give people the the insight to be able to answer. And is there is there the, what's that magic bullet? What are we missing? Oh, there isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, Chloe, you have a number of books, as do I. And I'm curious, which which book do you feel is your best work? Well, the best seller, the one that sold the most units is e-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website. But the one I like the most um, is customer persuasion, which I wrote kind of as a as a how to move customers as quickly as possible through the buying cycle and background again. And it's got different stages in it. And each stage we talk about what to do with customer service, what to do with product, what to do with marketing, what to do with your website. And I completely and utterly screwed up the launch of it. So it's never sold as many copies as it deserved. And if I ever get a spare month, I will rebrand it, retweak it, write some more of it and, and relaunch it because it's the one which could really have helped an awful lot more people than it's managed to help. And it's entirely my fault it hasn't done better. Now, personally, are there any business books out there that you can attribute to your journey as an entrepreneur? There, I've read so many. I Less so, I don't read quite so many now as I used to, but I used to read so, so many. And the ones which stick with me are um, Essentialism by uh, Greg McKeown, which is brilliant about helping you try to just focus on the one thing you need to do. Profit First by Mike McCallowitz, which... I mean, you know, I, I can read a PL, I can read a balance sheet, but it finally got me to the point where I could actually set up my business finances so as I felt comfortable with them, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one would be the 12 week year by Moran and Lennington. Hmm. I haven't heard of that one. It's there are two guys who kind of studied what the greatest sports teams in the world did to achieve what they managed to achieve and then bring it back to a business setting. It's one of those books I read it and like 50% of it was like, well, yeah, obviously. So it kind of gave me permission to do stuff I'd 
played around with in the past mm -hmm. and it's just it just makes if you can manage to stick to it which sometimes is hard but it's always good for you it really really accelerates achievement by helping you focus on these kind of 12 week um, processes so you have your books you have two podcasts and you mm -hmm. host a virtual summit yeah. if someone wanted to learn more about you and your strategies where should they start um, well, if you head to ecommercemasterplan.com, you'll find everything I'm up to and what we're what we're putting out there at the moment. I guess, you know, start with the, the books is where I most clearly explain my strategy, because with um, with the podcast, both my podcasts are interview podcasts. So, you know, I bring on the best people I can find, but what we end up talking about is not necessarily, you know, my kind of core philosophy. Um, what you'll also find on the website is that at the moment we are focused on two key areas, one of which is helping our audience achieve e-commerce success faster and more easily. And the other one is helping our audience along the path to net zero. So becoming more sustainable, because I think we're a, we're a bit of a dodgy industry for that side of things, because fundamentally to save the planet, we've got to buy less yet in e-commerce. We want people to buy things, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive. And I think there's a role we have to play as marketers, a very powerful role to help consumers make better buying decisions. So we're talking about that a lot on the podcast now as well, which is why this year in 2022, we're going to be doing two virtual summits. We're going to be doing our marketing focused one in the first half of the year. And in the second half of the year, we're going to be doing one that's going to be all about the path to net zero for e-commerce stores. Interesting. Um, and where can, where can listeners find more information on that? Everything about that will be at some point in the near future on the virtual summits and everything else is there already at ecommercemasterplan.com. What problems do you think you're uniquely gifted to solve in the e-commerce realm? Oh, wow. That's, a, that's an intriguing uh, question, Andy. Um, I think it's helping people make better marketing decisions. That's the thing which, which you know, whenever I've surveyed the people who listen to me in the past, that's the thing which they, which they find the most useful. Um, it's a bit, a bit of a, fl a fluffy one. Um, you know, I can't say... Google ads performance or Facebook ads performance, because I'm just not deep enough in those anymore. So I'm more on the kind of the strategic making the right decisions and working out where to focus side of things. Well, this has been just great, Chloe. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap it up today? Um, no, just if anyone wants to get in contact with me, listen to the podcast or read books or any of that kind of stuff, they'll find it all at ecommercemasterplan.com. I hope this has been useful for your audience. And Andy, thank you so much for inviting me on. Well, this has been great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. And for listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Chloe, you will find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our all new podcast resource center available at www.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topic and included each of their contact information in case you would like more information on any services that I've discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. 
Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing. 